Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Lifestart Swine, facilitated by Trow Nutrition, distilled science and real-world advice for better on-farm decisions. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. Find out how to optimize swine health and nutrition at Kemen.com forward slash swine. Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Hubbard Feeds, research-driven and focused on helping you achieve your goals. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. My name is Clayton Chastain, your host for today's episode. Today, we have Dr. Cassie Jones with us, a swine nutrition professor from Kansas State University. So Dr. Jones, would you mind telling us about this study? Sure, it's a pleasure to be on today. We've been working on understanding potential methods for transmitting African swine fever virus, really as we look at potential ways that it could enter new countries or into new um, new facilities or, or new environments altogether. And so the project that we've been working on is to better understand the impact of ASF contaminated ingredients on the potential contamination of subsequent batches of feed manufactured using that same equipment or in the manufacturing environment itself. And so what impact could this have on feed mills? So with this study you did, um, from what I read, it was like some sequencing between different flushing and seeing how well that worked. So That's what all went into that? Was this in a, in a lab? Is this in a feed mill? Yeah, actually both. And so we we built a feed mill within our biosecurity research institute at K-State. So that's one of just a, a few facilities in the U.S. that we can use to study African swine fever virus. Um, and so we were in high containment. So you can imagine we were in astronaut yeah. suits um, while we were manufacturing feed. And the real goal of this study was to try to understand, obviously, ASF is an ingredient could cause and, and potentially impact through feed, the batch of feed for that, whomever that ingredient is intended for. But we, what we don't always know is the potential ramifications or the downstream impacts of that within the feed mill and other animals fed out of that same feed mill and, and whether that feed mill is kind of contaminated from that point forward or not. And so what we did is we first um, built a feed mill. And um, so we had a mixer, a bucket elevator, a, a, some spouting and a discharge. We couldn't drive a truck into that laboratory, yeah. as you can imagine. And so we were discharging into biohazard totes. Um, but we first made a batch of feed just with regular ingredients. None of them had African swine fever virus. And then we made a batch of feed through the system that included an ingredient that was positive for African swine fever virus. We added the virus to an ingredient and then we used it in mixed feed. And then we conveyed that batch of feed through the manufacturing equipment and sampled the feed after it had been um, discharged into that, that biohazard tote. 
Then of real interest to us next was what happens to the subsequent batches? We know when we manufacture feed like medicated feed or high levels of vitamins or minerals that there can sometimes be risk of carryover or some of that leftover feed and conveyors can be a source of contamination to subsequent batches. And so then we manufactured four batches of feed that did not have ASF in them to look at the presence or if there was presence of African swine fever virus in different samples that we collected to really better understand how much risk could there be if a feed mill gets contaminated with African swine fever virus. Yeah, that does sound a little high stakes there. You wouldn't want anything like that getting out. Um, so what did you see, I guess, from the sequencing? Like how well did the flushing work? Well, it was really interesting because typically we consider something like an ingredient um, or, or a chemical hazard like African swine fever virus is a biological hazard. Typically, we consider that we could push that out of the manufacturing system. But in this case, it behaved kind of similar to salmonella, like other biological hazards would, where the first batch of feed that we made, the negative batch, of course, had no ASF in it. The second batch of feed we made, every single sample we took. Um, had consistent levels of ASF, showing that if we introduce this into a feed mill, man, we can mix ASF just like we can mix any other low inclusion level of ingredient. We can mix it really well, which is a great thing that our equipment can do, but also terrible if we're thinking about something like ASF as a potential way of transmitting that across multiple pigs and multiple farms. But again, the real interest is what happened in that third, fourth, fifth, and sixth batch of feed that we didn't have any ASF actually enter in as an ingredient. We just used the same equipment to manufacture it. And what's quite concerning is that we found detectable or suspicious levels, at least, of, of African swine fever virus in every single sample that we took all the way through the sixth batch of feed that we manufactured. Was the concentration like noticeably decreasing as you went on or was it kind of just staying level the entire time? Oh, that's a great question. So yes, you would like you would imagine the concentration does mm -hmm. decrease over time. Um, but with something like African swine fever virus, the potential dose, especially if it's consumed over multiple meals, like we would expect if a feed is uniformly contaminated and delivered and maybe a pig is going up to that feeder 20 different times throughout the day, they're consuming multiple exposures to that same dose. And so it's kind of like, yes, we were able to dilute it. So maybe we took something like the concentration of um, tequila down to the concentration of a low-level beer. But even in the case of something like where you have 20 beers over the case of an entire day, mm -hmm. um, that low level of a potential toxin, at least through modeling, has suggested that that's still quite an important finding and that there's absolutely risk here um, if we're using the same manufacturing equipment to manufacture subsequent batches of feed. Um, so I guess this doesn't really have an application side of what the mills should do, but um, what do you think this research really tells us on what we need to be more um, specific about or what we need to focus about in the industry? Yeah, and there's another part of that research where we looked at both what was in the feed, but we also looked at the environment um, around. And so we took environmental samples around the manufacturing equipment. And that's probably my main takeaway message because we were just shocked to find that, um, of course, we would expect to find African swine fever virus in the inside of the conveyors and the inside of the mixer because we had ingredients that were exposed to the virus come in direct contact. And so that's how we would expect feed to get that contamination six batches later. 
What we were surprised to find, though, is the very high level of African swine fever virus contamination outside the manufacturing equipment. And so on the floors and the walls and the shoes of mm. the researchers. And so that's probably one of the main takeaways is that we really need to be understanding how biosecurity and biosecurity to and from feed mills can be improved so that we don't accidentally spread African swine fever virus from a farm back to a feed mill and then to another farm. But yeah, especially one as dangerous as this could be if it ever got here. To feed the world's growing population, the animal production industry needs to grow in a sustainable manner. Eastman produces one of the broadest organic acid portfolios in the global market and offers customer-driven swine solutions. Learn more by visiting Animal Nutrition at EASTMAN.com. All right, well, before we finish up, is there anything else you'd like to add from the study? No, I always do, though, just like to point out that with African swine fever virus, even though this would be devastating to our industry and is top of mind for all of our pork producers right now, it is a virus that if it enters the United States, pork would still be safe for consumption by humans. And so this is not a mm -hmm. human food safety issue. And that's important for us to remember. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but it's more of an economic thing at this point. Absolutely. It would be devastating, but we always like yes. to reinforce <laughs> to our consumers that pork would still be safe. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Cassie, for coming on the show. Um, have a wonderful day. And to everyone else listening, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it and share with us, Feel free to send an email to nutritionblackbelt at swineit.com and we would love to take a look at your research. Mm -hmm.